Welcome back, everybody. Counterculture episode four is here. And right off the bat, check out this TikTok. Dinger. Man, if she's mad about people commenting, taking the time to comment that girls can't preach, wait till she finds out we're making a whole episode about it. An hour. Welcome, guys. This is Counterculture episode four, and we're going to talk about women preaching and being in leadership. You ready for this, Derek? Uh, no, because, you know, we might get canceled for it for, uh, for a yeah, viewpoint. Maybe. But it is what it is. It might be controversial. I mean, do the poll. We did the poll on our Instagram story, and it was like, it was majority yes, wasn't it? It was like 60... Should or can? I think it was... 69% that said yes. And 31, 31, no? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds right. Which is, so, hey, if we say no, it might be unpopular, even among our, our listeners, or at least people that follow us on Instagram. But we're going to get into it. We're going to go over the main scriptural references, which um, we posted them in our story, the two main ones that we're going to talk about. And we asked people, you know, tell us what you think. Uh, tell us how you would interpret this if you're saying, yes, women can be in leadership. Uh, how would you respond and how do you interpret these scriptures that have traditionally been used to, to say no? And... We had a few people responded, but there were some interesting responses, but we're going to go through them. And um, should we start out just, just reading the scriptures? Yeah. Just for a, just for a base, just for a base reference here. Uh, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in the church. Um, what is the, and then what is the, the first Timothy two twelve say, or, uh, what, what was, what really, I mean, do you just want us to say first Timothy two twelve? Do you want me to say, read the whole passage or we can just read I it think, later? Yeah. Just do the, just do the passage in general. Like, okay. well, not the whole chapter, but like 11 through 15, I think is what talks about it, but whatever is relevant. Okay. I got you. Um, let's see. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. All right, so... Should we, um, should we watch this girl that we opened with? We should we watch her TikTok where she presents her case? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's start with that. I had a dollar for every time somebody threw First Timothy two twelve in my face as to why girls can't be preachers. I would be rich, and so would Zara. But I still thought I would take the time to explain. Before approaching any scripture, you have to understand context. I'm also personally coming from an egalitarian perspective, so you have to understand that there's different ways to view this. Hey, if you guys are slow like me, me and Derek, we had to Google what that meant. <laughs> we had to Google what egalitarian was, but it just means that everyone is equal, basically. So, if you're unless you're big brain and already knew that, good for you though. In First Timothy, Paul is specifically addressing the Church of Ephesus. They had a problem with women speaking out in church services and being disruptive. 
Women would also ask questions in the middle of services, which was considered disrespectful. So Paul advised women to go home and ask their husbands questions instead of disrupting. But if we're looking at verse 12, the word authority is actually a poor translation of the Greek word authentian, which actually means to abuse authority of. Let's stop right there. Um, that first part, we can rewind that. She basically states that um, Paul was writing to the Ephesians saying that, uh, and it was a specific case with the Ephesians where their women were being disruptive and uh, going about trying to take leadership of the church in a way that was wrong. So it's not necessarily about how, um, not necessarily about the fact that women were teaching, but it's how they were teaching. They were doing it in a disruptive way, taking an authority that had already been given to other people, that sort of thing. So that's her first argument. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that the verse she's referencing there, Derek, you found this, that she's, she's talking about the first Corinthians verse where she's saying that women should be quiet and then ask their husbands at home. That's the verse she's talking about. And she says that that verse was specific towards the Ephesians. It's worth mentioning that that's in Corinthians as it would, as in, in not Ephesians, as it was written, as in it was written to the Corinthians, not the Ephesians. Greg's, yeah. Am I off there, Derek? No. Yeah. So right that, that's that's worth mentioning. That, but that that is her first argument. So we'll remember that. That's what she's saying. Is that it was the way in which they went about getting leadership, not that it was women in leadership, generally. So Paul is saying that women are not to abuse authority over man or woman. This is something that also applies to men. If women were supposed to stay silent in every church setting, you wouldn't have female choir leaders or female kids pastors or female worship leaders. It does not mean that girls can't be pastors or preachers. Understand context. Okay, understand context, for sure. Um, so well, can, we, can we point something out, though? I didn't, I didn't re- or see that pat- or last part, but... Is her argument yeah. that women women can be, you know, youth pastors, choir, or is it like any pastor? Because she said youth. She's choir. saying she's saying any pastor. Oh, okay. She's saying okay, any I pastor, which I which I was gonna mention because she's conflating the two things. She's saying that if women are supposed to be completely silent in church, then you wouldn't have women who are on who do worship and. Um, and in certain levels of ministry. And then, so she Mm -hmm. says, because of that, you know, we allow women in all these other spaces. Obviously they should be allowed to be pastors. It's kind of conflating the two. I I don't know that anybody is saying that women have zero role in the church and zero role in the faith and zero role in ministry and evangelism. Right. Yeah. Would Mm -hmm. you agree, Derek? People don't really say that. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's kind of misrepresenting what people say. People are, saying that men would be like the lead pastors and like are like the heads of the church in these roles like that and then in catholicism in the roles of priests but there are women who are in positions to have a big impact on the church in scripture and but they just weren't the leaders of the church and that's what a lot of people that we've um read and listened to that's been their argument. That's been what they've referenced. They've referenced different um, people in the Bible who are women who were influential in the church, like um, deaconesses and, you know, uh, Mary being the one who went and told the disciples uh, that Jesus was risen and it's all that. So I think early, early on in this episode, we should get out of the way 
that Derek, I'll speak for both of us, maybe, we would both agree that women can be in many levels of the of the church, of the of the faith in general. They have imp- they can do so much for spreading the gospel, for ministry, for all these things. And that's not the argument. That's not the debate mm-hmm. we're having. The debate we're having is over the heads of the churches and like the top church leadership, right? Yeah. Maybe you can is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. One also I I'll point out two things. Um one thing is this really hasn't been as really for ever since, you know, I guess the the days of Paul, like since then, like women being like church leadership, like and all that, like that's never been a problem. Like no one's ever tried to, you know, I guess I guess point out that it's false that you know Paul was mm-hmm. wrong saying that for two thousand or for yeah two thousand ish years I mean but then in the nineteen sixties I mean I was hearing it that uh, the feminist movement was going on in the nineteen sixties and then you see like because right then and there there was like two percent of I guess all you know church congregations who had women female leaders you know. Mm-hmm. Um, who were a part of that congregation, but now it's close to ever since that movement and women empowerment, and uh, it's been I don't know I I think it's close to fifty percent. No, not fifty. I'm on a rough estimate thirty to fifty percent now. Um, and like people and women in high church leadership, uh, the ones mm-hmm. that we mentioned. Another thing is uh, the the people who think that like you were saying like. We're not saying by any means like women are unqualified because I mean, or like in a sense, not unqualified, but like unequal for um, not being able to be a lead pastor. Cause you know, we all have an involvement in the church and we can all make a great impact for the church. Um, like you were saying, Anthony, by spreading the gospel, which we're all called to do. Um, right. But like biblically, like we're trying to look at a, a biblically perspective, like, um and looking at what god has to say to it not what the you know the world our culture has to say about you know what uh women empowerment all that and you know women in leadership like it has nothing to do with i think you were telling me like discrimination like against god doesn't discriminate he's not discriminating against women it's just he has different roles and he's a god of order who has different roles for men and women and it, I think it's very obvious, but I think as a culture has progressed more away from, you know, the teachings of the Bible, you're kind of getting that, like, mix of roles, I guess. Um, yeah. So, just two things, just to point out before we really hop into this. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think the... Um... I think the nuance has been lost. The nuance of how God orders different people in the church and in the body of Christ. I think the nuance of understanding that has been lost and we've um, become very quick to react negatively to any sort of discrimination mm-hmm. and we, and any sort of uh, we've become quick to assume that any sort of difference and separation of people into different roles and different spaces as negative unjust discrimination yeah. and that's probably been as a result like you said in 
the 60s, 70s, 80s era as a sort of backlash as the civil rights movement and the women's rights um, as a reaction to all that. And um, it's unfortunately gotten to the point where even the nuance of biblical ordering of people has been uh, assumed to be bad. And so then we assume the Bible's wrong and we assume we have to restructure the way we view the Bible. And I mean, the Bible should always be looked at with a critical lens and to understand, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's very much been, it's very much they, gotten to the point where we kind of assume that it's just all, you know, this is negative unjust discrimination and that's the motivation behind this. So it must be wrong because any sort of separation of different types of people is bad. And that's just not true. It's, yeah. it's not how the church has ever believed things to be. And it's not how, Jesus and the apostles ever taught things to be. I mean, like like we say, like they try to twist, you know, scripture to fit their narrative, to fit, you know, basically what the culture is pushing. Um, and it's sad, but I mean, we're just losing really, I guess, biblical truth. I guess more and more as we, you know, progress into becoming more of more of a godless nation. Um, so. Yeah, um, yeah. So all that is kind of our thoughts. We're maybe gonna say we were maybe gonna say that for the end after we kind of dissect things first. But we'll 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 go into her arguments and we'll give it all a chance. We yeah. um, I found an article here. We were doing a little bit of research prior to this, and me and Derek obviously talk about this stuff in our free time, anyways. But right here I found this article that I thought was really good and it really um whoops it really showed the um the etymology of of the word that she was talking about. She was talking about the word um what was the word, Derek? I'm totally losing it. Was it authority or uh, Yeah, the, exercise the, authority? the word authority authoriteo right here and um it's hard because we did some research on uh the original greek of the bible and um in hebrew and we found what this article mentions that this is the only time in the bible that this word is used at all which obviously makes things hard because it's easier when you have you know when the the meaning of one word is debated in one verse we see this a lot with the the homosexuality debate where um, the main argument is that the verses in reference to homosexuality were actually in reference to uh, not homosexuals, but to pedophiles. And the word that we translate as boy or man actually was meant little boy. And so it's actually what the Bible originally said was that man should not have sex with little boys. And it was actually a pedophile but then we could easily look at other verses that use those same words and see, oh no, it's all talking about adult men and just males in general. But we'll get to that in another episode, which will be interesting. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we can't do that with this with this word. We can't do that with the Thorinteo because there is no other wor- use of this word in, in the Bible as, as far as any of us are aware. And, but what we can do is we can look at... Um, how it's traditionally been translated. And we can also look at contemporary uses of the word and we can look at how the word is used else elsewhere outside of the Bible at the same time in history. 
So all the different biblical uh, dictionaries and lexicons we have don't uh, seem to define it as she says it's defined. She says a thoronteo means in the original Greek to, what did she say, to take power from forcibly or yeah. to like unjustly take power from or to nothing we found supports that. We looked, we did. Uh, all these different, see right here is from multiple different lexicons, multiple different biblical dictionaries. All of them say control, have authority over, dominate, have full control over, uh, to take control, master, like all these different things that just aren't, it just means to have control. Just basically another, just other synonyms of authority. And then even these contemporary sources um, from these different translators, you know, exercise authority over, compel, to rule, to, you know, powerful lord, dominate, control. It's just in every circumstance seems to be a a reference to just total control. Uh, not necessarily unjust taking of control. Uh, have you seen anything that would be anything like that, Derek? No. Yeah. So, so that's 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 the first that's the first part of it. Um, I suppose. Yeah, and there is a, a idea in it of it's it's worth mentioning. There is an idea in the. In the etymology of the word of of the power not only being of authority over others but authority over oneself and um, having authority over yourself and bringing yourself to a position of authority you can see these are similar words that are like that but we, we don't see anything as uh, as being uh, as she described that this verse is only in reference to women uh, forcibly taking control. And there, there's even in context, she was talking about how we have to look at the context, but there's even mm -hmm. in context, um, in context, you know, scriptures in English that show that it's not, not talking about, you know, women taking control forcibly or else Paul wouldn't have used some examples it did. And so Derek, you can, you can talk about the examples that Paul used, the arguments that he used to support, um, the structure of leadership that he describes you were telling me about that uh well he basically so one point before you hop in um we i guess we can uh kill two birds with one stone one you know she said uh didn't she say that f like didn't she make a point in some other video saying how like it was only meant for ephesus or was that the video we watched like, yeah was that was the one we ephesus. just watched she said it was directed at ephesus so one point i'll, I'll make First is, so Priscilla, um, she, she was an act. She was a, a, a person who was a part of this church. But one thing she did was she corrected doctrine. So she was very well-educated. That's one argument where other people try to say, well, women weren't well-educated back then, which, as we say, would wipe out basically, you know, the disciples because they weren't that educated either. Yeah, most of them. Uh, but Priscilla was very educated, and she, uh, Apollos, I think it was Apollos who... He was teaching doctrine to, or doctrine, like false doctrine. She corrected him. And you would think, uh -huh. well. What verse is that? Uh, it's in Acts 18, maybe. You okay? You can keep talking. I was just going to, uh, I was just going to bring that up for you while you talk. Uh, but 
if you look at it like you would think, well, she's a very well-educated woman. She's part of this church in Ephesus that, you know, Paul, you know, is writing these letters to, or letters to, you would think like he would allow her to be, you know, a church leader in a sense, like since she's corrected doctrine mm -hmm. and all that, but he didn't allow her. And it's nothing to be like, well, it's because women and men are unequal. It's because like the different roles that God has ordained, um, women or men and women to have and you know the thing is like she tr also tried to root her, her argument and it's like well it's just an Ephesus church but the thing that Paul does which I find very fantasizing like he brings it back to creation you know he doesn't he doesn't you know bring it back to something in the culture at that moment or bringing something in that church at the moment like a problem in the church no he brought mm -hmm. it back in culture he said uh for Adam was formed first and then Eve. So he's bringing it back to creation. And then yeah. he says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. In, or transgressor. So then he brings it back to the fall. So the order of you know creation and the order of the fall. And we were talking about this male headship. Um, we kind of disagree on the point. But if we take it how Anthony believes with Genesis... Uh, 315 like the you want to pull you know what that verse says for uh yeah I'll let, me, let me pull it up i still have it on my computer i th think you're talking about the verse where god yeah, lists yeah, out yeah. the yeah 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 so for context the 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 heart of me and derek's agree disagreement was that um it was kind of a side issue to this though it was just about when the male headship started you know in the bible we see it described like the man is the head of the household the head you know it's it's mirrored of the relationship between christ and the church you know christ is the head and the church is um then the christ is christ is the husband and the church is the wife and it's um yeah so we see that all throughout and then church leadership mirrors that as well but um me and derek were arguing about where that started um derek was thinking that it's it's that was the case in the garden and i was thinking that it was the case only once the fall happened that that was part of the curse so this is where i was getting my idea of that um in genesis three fifteen, god is or not three fifteen. in genesis 3 god's listing out the curses that are the consequences of the fall now and he lists them out for the serpent and then he lists them out for the woman and this is genesis three sixteen. he says I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So that was my idea of when that started. But, yeah, that's the verse that I'm Yeah, I'm so about. if we take it from... I, I I disagree with that, but I still believe, like, there's male headship. Um, we just disagree where it started. But, you know, you can read in that verse where it basically talks about, like, I guess male headship, you know, how... The woman's supposed to submit to the man. And people don't like hearing that. Like, I'm supposed to submit to my husband. It's just, oh, this terminology. It's like discrimination. Like, it's like all that. But, yeah, he roots it in creation, which basically right, wipes out every single argument that says, well, culturally, no. It's not found in there. You know, And we can't say, well, Paul must have meant something today because again like if we believe in the bible and we affirm that it's the infallible word of god then we we, we see genesis as true you know it's 100 percent true and that's the argument he roots it in 
And it's nothing, like I said, like about, you know, women being unequal because we're all created in the image of God. Um, it's just, you know, God's, I guess, God, God is a God of order. Um, and he, uh, this is just like, I guess, how there's order in the church, like how First Corinthians, like that one passage, like we were, that was saying like women submit, like it was because like there was um, like church, like disorder in the church. And our God, like, if you look in creation, like, he's not a God of disorder, you know. You know, he, he he's really not. And that's why he really lays down this argument, Paul does, is that, like, there's a certain order. It has nothing to do with culture. I'll repeat myself again. But it has everything to do in the fault, the order of creation made. Adam was made first. And then, as it said, Eve was made to be a helper to him. Um, and then the fall. So Eve was deceived. And then Adam fell too and that's where paul really roots his argument one thing i also want to point out do you, do you have anything to add to that um no i just think that your point is good that i mean even if there was specific disorder in the church at ephesus or corinthians maybe she got her words mixed up there because it's in a letter to the corinthians but she said it was to ephesus um that not only does paul say you specifically should behave this way like you said, he he says that it is just a fact of the proper order of humanity itself going back to Genesis. And that affects all of us. Adam and Eve, we all come from Adam and Eve. The things that were true of humanity in Adam and Eve were then passed down to all of us. So even if there was disorder in that church that Paul is specifically calling out, which could be the case, we don't know. Paul still goes further and says, not only that, but... It's been this way since the beginning for all of humanity. Let me explain. And then he does. So he wouldn't use that argument if it was supposed to be a specific uh, instruction to that church and not a diagnosis of the state of humanity at large. One thing I also want to point out. So when he used the word, I'm reading um, study Bible. It says when like it mentions the word to be quiet, Um, quiet in this like context, it means like to respect the teaching responsibility that is limited to the assembled church. Um, I, I find that interesting. You know, one thing I want to... So if you look at 1 Timothy 3. So it goes over like the qualifications of an overseer. Um, and one thing that's very interesting. Um, it says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be the offer, or officer or overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, like the qualifications of an overseer of a church must be of above reproach. The husband of one wife. Now, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of like different arguments, but like basically the context and what he's speaking of is you know that the overseer can't have many wives. Polygamy, like he can't have many wives at one time. Now, that's not like disqualifying overseers who are divorced or not married, but. I just find that interesting, like the husband of one wife. So if you say in this verse, well, it's different, you know, they, Paul wrote it wrong, like, you know, but if we move on to the next, you know, the qualifications of an overseer, I mean, the husband of one life, what are they going to come up with? Oh, well, there was a mess up in 
something back in 1950 when they were trying to translate this in some type of, you know, Bible translation, you feel me? Like, they will always... Yeah, that's, that's basically always the... They, they will always come up with an excuse of how, I guess, to fit their narrative, like I'm saying, fit their narrative of scripture like into or fit fit scripture into their narrative and not look at the lens of scripture and trying to you know really fit the like scripture and looking through that lens into our culture they rather look through the culture lens in the scripture which is very dangerous um i was saying this before but with like i was saying how like i know this may offend people you were kind of put off go ahead this, go ahead but Oh, it's a, it, it, oh, it was the one thing with false doctrine. The most dangerous, th- like false doctrine, is more dangerous than racism. It's more dangerous. Oh no, than I agree with you. All oh, <laughs> I thought, you, but like it's dangerous because like it skews the word of God, and you basically mm-hmm. are believing in a false, I guess you would say a false Christianity, which a lot of people are believing in today. Now, would I say like? Now, if this was a gray and white area, or a, is it a gray or black area, or white and black area, or is it gray? Black area? and white, yeah. Okay, gray area is like you don't, you're not really sure. Black and white, so like clear. we, so this gray area. So is this a gray area? No, it's not. Like it, no, it, it's no. It, it specifically says now. There's a different th- like different things in the Bible that are gray areas, but this specifically says it and does not, you know, in a sense permit. A woman to teach now i'm not no scholar but i know like we can take it back like majority of the christian church for two thousand years agreed that you know paul was saying that you know male headship you know the male is only supposed to be the one who's the overseer mm-hmm. it has no knock on the woman and like the funny part i is i see like so they could say again well this is god discriminating but if we look over uh the whole bible let me ask you a question how many women or how many women authors were there of the bible yeah um none that i'm aware of so let me also ask you a question how many dis- how many disciples like the 12 disciples were women zero now i find that quite interesting i i really do like mm-hmm. again like now they could say, "Well, it's just a culture back then." Which, I mean, I guess you could say there, there was plenty of things that were about that were of the culture back then that Jesus was like, "Nah, not about." Yeah, like, the entire. I mean, the man was from Israel. He was a Jew. Yeah. There was a very strongly established Jewish culture around the mm-hmm. religion and the traditions. I mean, that's a very strong culture that persists even today, and. There were parts of that that he that he contradicted and said, "Yeah, no, things are going to change with regards to that." So Jesus wasn't Jesus wasn't one to shy away from, you know, not to not to be not to name drop or anything. But Jesus was not one to be scared to counter the culture. <laughs> but so so to say that Jesus was just you know he was a. Just, I mean, it seems pretty messed up to say, well, Jesus was just trying to yeah. appease the culture. He I was mean, trying to make the culture happy. I mean, I don't think you can be a Christian and say that Jesus was one to focus on satisfying the desires of the world. I mean, Jesus offended a lot of people. I don't think 
I don't think a lot of people realize that. They're like, Jesus is a God. Like, he is of love. But, he, but love doesn't offend, right? <laughs> love doesn't yeah, offend. Yeah, but, like, yeah. the truth offends. And the truth is the Bible, you know? And the one thing, like, but also, people also have to realize, like, Jesus is not saying anything against women. Because guess what? Women played a pivotal uh, role. And when he resurrected from the dead, guess what? They went out. They told everyone. Mm. They witnessed. Like, we're all supposed right. to do it as Christians. And I just don't... Like, I don't see the point how women can... Or, not women. My bad. Most, like... Okay, most people from our poll say, well, they can't be. Or, I, I feel like they, they view it as unequal. You know, that's very... It's unequal. Right. It's discriminatory. And I, I don't know, like, if we view Jesus that way. Because that's kind of like... I mean, it is the word yeah, of God. Yeah, I mean, like, once you... Yeah, once you firmly establish that it is scriptural, that it is that it is biblical, then to say that it's sexist or or any of these things that people might call it um, is to say that Jesus is those things. Because then, uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough thing, and but I mean it's kind of just a basic fact of Christianity that you kind of have to. I mean, the Bible is the Bible, and if you believe that you have to believe the Bible is the word of God. Like there are fundamental tenets of Christianity, one mm-hmm. of which being that the Bible is the word of God, that it's infallible and all of it's true and all of it is profitable for teaching and reproof and in the way we live our lives. And once you start to deny certain aspects of that, the whole theology kind of goes down. Now, I'm not saying that there's no room for, I mean, the Bible should always be, we should always seek to accurately translate the Bible mm-hmm. and make sure that everything we're teaching is, is all right. I mean, throughout history, we've made definite changes to how we as a culture view the Bible and interpret the Bible. You know, the Bible has been used to justify lots of things and we've had, as a culture, had to course correct and say, that's not how we're going to interpret that anymore. But that doesn't apply to everything. Uh, I mean, there are some things that are plain as day. Yes. And this is one of those things. And like you were kind of getting at, none of that denies or none of that. Hmm. What was the word? None of that negates the, um, the role of women in, in the body and in the church and in Christianity and in the faith. None of that. It, it, it's just, it's just not the case. The, but the church is a very specific structured institution really. Mm-hmm. And in a structured, ordered institution, there has to be rules. There has to be all these different things. But like, just because that's how we structure our structured, orderly institutions, like I said, that doesn't mean that that's how God treats us. Yeah. Like, the Holy Spirit does not move more in men than women. The Bible, Jesus doesn't use men more than he does women like that's not how that works just because the church itself is ordered in a certain way leadership wise doesn't say anything about women's importance to the faith or ability to be used yeah for sure doesn't and it's 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 just one of those things that that that's why i think that it was a consequence of the fall um or at least i say this because i think it's a consequence of the fall that 
not everything is going to be perfectly the way we would hope it to be and not everything's perfectly going to make sense and things are going to seem unfair and weird and things are going to have to we're not going to be able to get that that that's i say this because i i feel like it was a consequence of the fall because i don't feel like it was that way before the fall i guess we'll never know because i don't think enough was written about what went on in the garden between adam and eve before the fall because as we looked at well we didn't show it on here but but basically eve is created and then just a couple verses later the fall happens that's it we don't learn anything about how long they were in the garden their dynamic whatever but i mean what was the dynamic of the woman to do well we did we don't know what she did she was the helper that's interesting she was a helper to adam yeah is that not a leadership role right there for a man a helper no i mean you help me with this podcast i'm not in charge of you in the podcast though Helpers can be equal. I mean, the Bible, every time the Bible says helper in Genesis, when describing Eve in Genesis 1 and 2, or in Genesis 2, it says a helper comparable to him. Now you got to ask, what, what does comparable mean? But it's comparable like, is, is like, it's like the same, it's in the same manner. It's like, you could say the same point with an overseer and a pastor. Like You could say, well, that doesn't disqualify They're a not comparable, though. They're, they're not com- comparable. Though. They're comparable. A in, deacon is not comparable to an overseer. No, I'm saying, but in different how they're made in the image of God, but they have different roles, which Adam and Eve. Yeah, had. I'm saying Adam and Eve were comparable. That's what the Bible says. And I'm saying a deacon and an overseer are not comparable because there's different requirements. I mean, we see deaconesses in the Bible. We see women who were deacons in the Bible. But we don't. But the Bible specifically, when talking about overseers, so which would be like the heads, taught, it says that they are men. So obviously they're not comparable in the sense that they are the same at all, because there is different requirements for them. And the Bible just says, I'm not saying. I said this a million times in me and Derek's private conversation. I'm not saying that there was no male headship in the garden before the fall. That could have been the dynamic. I'm just saying there wasn't enough written for us to actually know for sure. I mean, I just look at, like, okay, marriage, you know, you think, right? in a sense, like, marriage was before the fall happened, you know, as it says mm-hmm. in verse 24 of the, uh, Genesis 2, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The man and wife were both, okay, that's, yeah, yeah we only, but, I mean, <sighs> What would have been the role of marriage? You're saying the role of marriage changed because of the fall? Which there was consequences to the fall, but I don't know if the roles of marriage was one consequence. Because, you know, Adam had, in a sense, authority to name all the creatures. You know, But Adam did that. Adam was given authority to name the creatures of the earth before Eve was created. So okay. there who was, was who, he was the only human being in existence. Who was okay? Let me give you this symbolic. So it's not so exactly a who, high how bar. Was to Eve, how was Eve created? From Adam's rib. Male headship. What do you mean? Male headship, right there. Does that because she was created from? She him, was created. She was created for Adam. Yeah. She was created for Adam. Are you not saying like there's yeah. no one as a helper, as a you say a comparable helper again, but as a helper? I mean, that's what the Bible says. I I just don't see that that how that necessarily means that she was subordinate. 
It could. I'm not seeing that though. Well, doesn't Paul talk about this? Okay, because we we got we started rambling about well, not rambling, but we we didn't go to the that one verse. Um, doesn't Paul use that? Paul, where does Paul use that as his argument? He uses the how things were in the garden and how they fell. Doesn't he use that in? That's um, the first Timothy. First Tim. First Timothy. Yeah, okay, the order of verse. creation. Male headship. Okay, let me hit that. Let me hit him with that for a second. It's First it, Timothy two. It, it was we read it all. It says okay. Did, did you read the second part? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, you read it way in the beginning. We'll read it again because now it's it's important to our conversation here. Um, right after Paul talks about he doesn't permit a woman to teach, all this stuff, he says in First Timothy two thirteen, for Adam was formed. For Adam was first formed, and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. That's not proof of male headship before the fall. (laughs) I I don't. I I mean. I mean, he roots his argument. Maybe not necessarily though, because he all. But what he roots his argument? Okay, he roots his argument in the beginning. So, right with the order of creation. So the order of creation, male headship over the woman, and the fall. Yeah, but see, see, you could be right. Put that out there. You could be right. Very well might be. But it seems interesting to me that he felt it necessary to add that Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. He needed. He felt the need to add that. So if 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 simply Adam being made first and then Eve being made from him constituted male headship if that's all it was ne- just the fact that adam was formed first meant that he's in charge then why did he feel the need to and add he re-emphasized he re-emphasized in the 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 fall too because you know those were i guess that's it i mean i would have to dive in and do more research on that but i mean i just look at it you know he was formed for like why would what why would paul even need to put in the first part like we could use the like you feel me like it's um, interesting. I mean, that's true. Like, that, no, that's... you're right. It's always been an interesting few verses to me because, and honestly, not so much. I think people focus way too much on verse 12. I, I think that's so, first, verse um, 11 and 12, I think comparatively that's so uninteresting compared to 13 through 15. Like his reasoning to, from, to me is so much more interesting. And that's why I think it's much more fun to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But it's apparently much more necessary to have the conversation about whether women can be pastors. But uh, apparently that conversation is needed. But, but like the fact that he says like the redemption for women for their for Eve's original transgression is childbirth. And that childbirth is somehow like the antithesis of the original fall, which is such an interesting concept in that that's like childbirth is just like elevated to this whole another level of counteracting the original sin not necessarily being you know substitutionary like christ but but in in that we can be justified as it like childbirth is a righteous thing it's very interesting and i've always found that very interesting and i know we've talked about it before in the past but anyway we could say that for a different time but but that's that's very interesting to me those next few verses and I wish that was talked about more. I wish it was focused on more. People wish people would just accept accept eleven and twelve. It's a 
it's a hard thing to accept but <laughs> the rest is the rest is so interesting to me you know what's also funny hey just well, so just i guess it's not really funny because the world went to you know crap afterwards but just imagine if eve didn't like you know i'm not a woman you know but there's women coming up who've had childbirth like it wasn't supposed to be that painful <laughs> you feel me it was supposed to be yeah that's an interesting i wonder what it felt like <laughs> I, was like, I mean that's a pretty crazy thing i mean how, giving birth to a child like just like the biology of how that happens how the baby comes out i mean that's that's hard to imagine that ever not being painful and it's so it, did huh i wonder if pain existed at all i don't think did it did existed no i don't think it because did. i mean that was a consequence of the broke like the fallen world i thought i guess so Although pain, I mean, pain serves a, what about pain, I don't know, like pain, like, what if like Adam like touched fire, like would that hurt him? Because I mean like, isn't that just your body, isn't pain supposed to be your body like telling you, hey, don't, don't do that. That's a bad thing that. Maybe, maybe Adam wasn't that stupid. I don't know. Maybe he's actually pretty smart. (laughs) Well, he he wasn't because he will. He probably, well. He will. I guess we, we, we all would have, you know, took that, you know, sided with our wife probably and sent the world into sin (laughs) but i also it's also crazy because like you know like the argument i like the argument uh we're kind of getting off topic but like the argument or like why why would why would god allow if god knew adam and eve were gonna sin like why do they even allow it but like it's crazy like that's a tough question to really answer but it really i mean Mm -hmm. It just goes to show he's had a, even though he did allow them, which I guess we dive deeper, like, why did he allow them? But, like, you could also look like, oh, well, he kind of showed just how great he actually was by sending his only beyond son. And, like, he had a plan, like, to send his son to die for the sins. Yeah. And it, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing to me, to be honest. Because, like, for me, I look yeah. at it, I was like, well... He could have, you know, allowed him not to sin, but he also couldn't, he also could have killed him because, you know, sin was basically punishable by death. Isn't that what he told him if they ate from the tree? Um, maybe it was spiritual death. I thought it was, um, I don't know what that Greek word is for death in Genesis one or Genesis two, I think. I mean, it was ultimately both. Yeah. I mean, but ultimately the end of the day, it was going to be, it was going to be both. It was spiritual death in the moment. And then physical death down the line. But I'm so... Um, it, it's like... It's crazy to see that even though, like... In a sense, like, we rebel against God. Like, he's still... You know... Again and mm-hmm. again, he's willing to redeem us. Um, and he had, like... Again, with Noah and the flood, like... He could have wiped out everyone. You know? Mm-hmm. But he, you know... Kept the human race alive. <laughs> That's why we're here yeah. today. You feel me? I mean... Yeah. What a glorious day when, you know, he comes back and we get to live in the new heavens and the new earth and be with him for eternity, which it's also a crazy topic. New eternity, like that's yeah, forever. How long eternity is? Just imagine Derek, Derek's exact quote when we were on the phone the other day was What what did you say? You said just think about eternity, man. It's that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought there was no more profound thought about heaven than that one. 
Eternity is it like 10 trillion years? You think that's long? <laughs> just imagine whoa, eternity. Whoa. Just wait till you hear about eternity. <laughs> just wait until you, you hear about You think eternity. 10 trillion years is long. And wait till you hear about 100 trillion whoa. years. Man, that's going to be crazy. I, like I said, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, that's why like for me, like, you know, and we could, we could kind of tie this back in since we kind of got off topic, but like, that's why women's roles shouldn't like women shouldn't think they're unqualified to preach the gospel and have an impact in the kingdom of God. Cause they do. I know plenty of women who lead Bible study groups, um, plenty of women who are in children ministry, who are, you know, doing great things. Plenty of women who, you know, have kids. Like who do you think the most, who's with the, a kid the most until they're like 15, a mom. Am I right? Like that's like impactful. Yeah. They can do a lot for them. There's, I mean, there's absolutely, uh, we could spend, um, literally, literally forever, um, uh, talking about all the different roles of women, the correct roles of women, and the verses that talk about, um, talk about the roles of women, and um, and we could just spend all day on it because there is no shortage. Of it. I mean, women are so prevalent in the Bible, and people and. and Jesus isn't shy about using women at mm-hmm. all. I mean, like you said, Mary was the first one to see him resurrected and then go tell the rest of the disciples. And the disciples didn't even believe it. All those men, uh, well, not all of them didn't believe it. I mean, a few of them ran to get him. But, like, you know, we have Thomas that didn't believe. And they, she's the one that told them. And then you have you have the prophets. You have, you have deaconesses. You have women who are used all throughout the Bible. So it's not even a question that women are, are used. And we could spend, and that's not the confusion, which uh-huh. is why we didn't spend much time on it, and we as we could have, but we wanted to focus more on the confusion that's so prevalent. But um, yeah, I found the verse you were talking about. Like, um, it's Titus Titus two three. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to too much wine. They're to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. So uh, women should be educated. Women mm-hmm. should teach, but. And women should know what's good and be righteous and teach what's good and be educated in the gospel and in theology and teach the young women. And in the Bible talks about the roles of young men and it's, it's, it's all ordered. Like Derek said, God is a God of order. And we're just about an hour. I want to bring something to your attention, Derek. Um, probably just to end on here. Um, is it all the dislikes on our YouTube last YouTube video? No, it is something to do with the Bible, actually. Um, What's up? It's so th- this is the this is the TikTok that actually like gave me the idea of it, and this is from a supposedly Catholic uh, woman priest, and this is what this is her TikTok that she made. Um, yeah. Sorry about that totally, that completely awful, uh, <laughs> that awful sound. But, um, yeah, so that that kind of got me researching Catholicism and, you know, their teachings about it. And I found so many good quotes. I actually thought that I would read more, and I didn't read any of them. But there's just, I mean, obviously the Catholic Church has been the church for most of uh-huh. history. So their writings on it and their doctrine on it <coughs> is False very doctrine. extensive. <coughs> Their doctrine on this is pretty is pretty good. 
and um, that's the we first. We talk about Catholicism one day. I think we should. I think I will be a lot less critical of the of Catholicism than you might expect, and than you might be, because I actually find Catholicism very interesting, and I actually read about it and a lot. Um, but this is this is one quote. Um, I'll share this screen with you actually, so you can just you can read it yourself while I read it. It's a very interesting argument that um, I'm not sure this guy is actually. He's one of the early church uh, church leaders, um, and a lot of these guys, you know, there's quote, quotes from everybody on here. This one is one I want you to see. If women were charged by God with entering the priesthood or with assuming ecclesiastical office, then in the new covenant, it would have been devolved upon no one more than Mary to fulfill a priestly function. She was invested with so great an honor as to be allowed to provide a dwelling in her womb for the heavenly God and king of all things, the son of God. But he did not find this good. It's a very interesting idea that who would be more deserving? I mean, Mary was deserving of the very presence of God, the very incarnation of the creator to be within her. And then be to and then to be born into the world, I mean that's pretty. It's a pretty crazy uh, honoring role to fulfill to bring God into the world um, in a physical form. Uh, who would more be deserving of being one of the disciples, or the apostles, or being given a leadership role than her? Yeah, I mean at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess really, you know, no human's deserving of it. It's just, uh, you That's know, true. by the grace of God that, you know, he blesses people with. Um, and it's, you know, like yeah. I said, it's a great thing, you know, that even mm-hmm. though we don't deserve anything that he gives us, he still gives. Even though most of the time we take, 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 you know, he, he always, you know, gives, which he does take away. Don't get me wrong, he does give, take away. But he blesses right. us so much. and. I wish people really understood that. I mean, yeah, I I think that's an important thing to understand when presented with with these things that, according to God, we just can't do. There's many things that we're told we can't do from God, men and women, humanity uh, all over. We shouldn't think ourselves deserving of any of it, we because we aren't. Mm -hmm. We really aren't deserving of any of it. Any small bit of anything that we get is we should that's what we should be thankful for because we really don't deserve much you know um you know our lives are like vapors and god has seen the billions and trillions of people who have ever existed were so small compared to the grand scheme of all of it the fact that god gives us enough care to give us anything at all uh should be enough the fact that when we die we don't have to worry about where we go like our lives are a vapor, like I said. Yeah. What we do here, the the fact that we don't get to pastor a church, I probably never will. Shouldn't be something I'm mad at God over. Yeah, because I mean, my life for is like sure. that, and then the extent of eternity, where I have the eternal presence of God. Uh, I, I'm okay if I, I'm okay with what little I get here. If I, if I, if I get just little little blessings here and then I have to go through life and die and then my eternity is secure I'm okay with that I'm not going to demand too much more of God on earth well I mean that's where yeah stuff for eternity 
that's what that's where a treasure should be laid up. I forget what verse it is, but you know it shouldn't be laid up yeah, in, that's... in you know the material possessions. It should be laid up, you know, in heaven because that's where at the end of the day, like even though people aren't going to become, you know, I, I like I said, I hope people become rich, like by any means. I hope you become ses- <laughs> successful, but like that doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know what truly matters is that you are a true born. I hate to say it again, but true born again Christian. And that you are, you know, each and every day um, striving after God and knowing that, like, we aren't deserving, but he's given us everything, you know, we need. And that was, you know, Jesus, you know, his death on the cross. So, like, even though we may not have nothing in this life, like billions of people do who are Christians. Well, let me not say billions, my bad, but who lived, you know, in these second, mm-hmm. third world countries over, you know, the whole life span like they've still been blessed with a lot because or they still have everything they need um because of jesus death on the cross which you know i'm always you know we should always be grateful for and that's why we should always you know proclaim the gospel to the lost you know because like like they say like we're, we're we're closer to christ's second coming than when we first believed and that should be a reminder to us to in a sense, live every day like Jesus is coming back. That's why I don't think women should be really too caught up in this. Because not all men are qualified either to be pastors, you know? Yeah, let's make That's... that clear. The, the Actually, this one guy on here, let me go back to this. His quote on this was exactly that. Um, he said, he said, I'll just read you, Derek. Uh when one is required to preside over the church and to be entrusted with the care of so many souls, the whole female sex must retire before the magnitude of the task, and the majority of men also. And we must bring forward those who, to a large extent, surpass all others and soar as much above them in excellence of spirit as Saul overtopped the whole Hebrew nation in bodily stature. I, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the... I mean, the Bible says that the, the overseers of the church must be above reproach. Mm-hmm. As in, they should be of such good character and of such reputable righteousness that it would be nearly impossible for people to to come come against them with accusations and with and with you know slanderous uh, mm-hmm. accusations, um, and which is tough i mean who can say that about themselves yeah i mean can either i mean can either one of us say that we're entirely above reproach to the people that know us like i mean no one really i mean i guess no one really is but i mean really no one is completely above reproach pastors are called to a you know since like i said like a higher standard and they're you know it's scary to be a pastor because like if you read it like they're they're gonna be judged because at the end of the day souls are at stake and mm-hmm. it's something it's not something to play with you know and like i'd be like so fearful like in a sense to be a pastor because you feel like well you know if i'm teaching again false doctrine if i'm leading these souls away from god and i'm not you know preaching the good news preaching what the bible truly says you know at the end of the day like i'm gonna face judgment and i'm gonna face a higher judgment than anyone else and <coughs> i wouldn't want to face that you know because of that yeah it's scary but like like we said like it's just you know 
I don't know where I was going at that point, actually. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just the 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 role of pass uh, the role of pastor and head of a church. It is a a task that is it's a big burden to carry. It's stressful, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of everything. I mean, it's just like you said, souls are at stake. You have the souls of the congregation who are entrusted to you by God, and to God you will be held to very high account for how you managed the body of your church which is a body part of the body of Christ. Um yeah, and I think yeah. That's, that's pretty uh, good. The verse you said, by the way, I found it, Matthew 6:19 through 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth com- corrupt. This is clearly the KGV and, or KJV. And um that should be uh, that's a good verse to end on, I think. Yeah. The thing is here the positions of power, the authority, the privilege. We're, it, it, none of it matters. It really doesn't because we're all going to die and we were all we will all be made equal at death. Yeah. And we'll be judged. And then eternity is just so big. As Derek so elegantly put, <laughs> eternity is so freaking long and you won't even be worried about it. So we shouldn't take that much pride and envy and the roles and things on earth right yeah that's why that's why we need to change you know in a sense like as believers change one i guess soul at a, not change one soul but reach out and love one soul at a time because that's how we you know expand the kingdom of god which is one soul at a time and that's why like 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 we want to end like that's why <laughs> at the end just preach the gospel preach the good news in a sense don't act it out witness but also proclaim it. People yeah. need to hear the good news more than ever. And Christ should come back any this week. We don't know, but that's why it's so. This is why it needs to be urgent. And I just challenge everyone to do that. So, yeah, we'll end there. Great final thoughts. We're at about an hour, and um, yeah. So remember that verse and. Let us know what you guys think about what we said. Let us know if there's major arguments for this that we missed. We didn't really get to research as much of the opposing arguments as we would have liked. Um, so maybe we'll do that more in the future. We'll probably revisit topics in the future for sure. Uh, disagree with us. Comment that you disagree with us. DM us that you disagree with us. And just let us know. We want to give this as fair of a shake as we possibly can. Is that all? Yeah, that's all. All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll catch you in the next episode. Booyah. That was episode four of Counterculture Podcast. Thanks you for joining in today. I just hope you can like, subscribe, and comment below. Also, send us ideas or things we can go over for topics. We love to hear um, from our fan base. And yeah, thank you guys for watching and hope you guys had a great day.